0: Welcome back to the program. We've all played the game of thinking about and listing the most important inventions to the progress of mankind. Certainly from the wheel, to the printing press, to the transistor, there are plenty to choose from. But seldom do we think about philosophical revolutions, the invention of ideas and philosophies and habits of mind that have also changed the world. Of these, there have been less. Perhaps, according to my guest Luciano Floridi, only three that have truly shaped our conception of the world and who we are within it. Floridi argues in his new book The Fourth Revolution that the technological and information revolution taking place today has created a rare fourth revolution in how we view ourselves and our place in the world, a world in which we shape our reality and the reality shapes us. Luciano Floridi is a professor of philosophy and ethics of information at the University of Oxford He's a Senior Research Fellow and Director of Research at the Oxford Internet Institute, and it is my pleasure to welcome Luciano Floridi to the program to talk about the fourth revolution, how the infosphere is reshaping human reality. Luciano, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. Great to have you here. Talk about first what these three previous revolutions have been, and and really the central figure in each.
1: So the... The first three revolutions uh, were uh, caused by scientific and technological developments in the past. Uh, the first one, uh, you, you know can uh, probably recall, uh, is by uh, Copernicus. Uh, we used to think that we were at uh, the center of the universe, and then uh, by realizing that uh, unfortunately uh, the, the earth is a uh, small place that goes around the sun, uh, we no longer uh, could hold to that particular uh, position. So it was a revolution both scientifically and uh, in terms of our self-conception. We had to change our perspective about our importance and our role in uh, the larger picture. So that was the first revolution. Uh, The The second one uh, came when we kind of uh, regrouped, as it were, Now imagine a second trench. We really want to feel important, and we say, well, maybe we're not at the center of the the universe, but at least we are at the center of another game, the the animal kingdom uh, kind of game. Uh, And then Darwin came, and uh, they say, well, you know, (laughs) we have a problem here, too. uh, human beings, uh, the human species is much more connected to the rest of the kingdom, animal kingdom, than we uh, used to think. So our centrality in that context uh, was also challenged. Now, um, you may think that we had run out of uh, positions to hold but we did retrench in uh, uh, terms of Considering ourselves at least uh, at the center of uh, the mental game. Uh, think of this as uh, being in a room where you know exactly uh, everything that is in it and you can see every corner. Well, then Freud came and said, well, further bad news. Uh, We're not entirely in control and not at the center of that game either. Uh, We're more like participants, and we share uh, a lot of uh, unconscious thoughts, for example, and and, uh, uh, feelings that we don't fully understand, etc. So these were the first three revolutions. And you can see how um, science and bits of technology uh, made a difference, not just in our understanding of the world, but also in our self-understanding, how we conceive ourselves. Well, uh, in the book, I argue that uh, the reason why we feel that uh, we are going through uh, a special time in human history, the reason why we, we are so, at the same time, baffled and surprised, but also excited, is because we're going through a kind of fourth revolution, which we may attribute to Alan Turing, the, the great logician, computer scientist uh, from Cambridge. Um, And this fourth revolution, again, is uh, taking us to a new level. We are realizing that we're not stand-alone individuals, that we uh, uh, live by information, we uh, flourish by getting the right kind of information, we get depressed if we get the wrong kind of information, we kind of informational organisms uh, who live in a sort of networked uh, symbiotic uh, relationship with the rest of the universe. So we are again uh, once more changing our self perception because of scientific and technological revolution. Uh, this should give some satisfaction to uh, everyone who thinks there is something really profoundly different in my life that, say, my grandparents did not experience. And I'm trying to argue that, well, we are right. Uh, There is a revolution ongoing, and there is a a revolution in our self-understanding.
0: Is there a fundamental difference as a result of the fact that events and understanding of this and the technology that drives it is moving so much more quickly. I mean, if we look at the reset after Copernicus or even after Darwin, it moved very slowly. We had a longer period of time in which to absorb that information and absorb the change. Today, not so much.
1: Oh, you just made a a, a fundamental point. Uh, Absolutely right. Uh, The pace at which things are changing uh, also makes a huge difference. Uh, now, this is the usual distinction quantity versus quality, but if you uh, look at the world as something that you need to understand in terms of, say, some essential tools what's right and what's wrong or what's it's appropriate as a behavior for example and what is not appropriate uh what can you expect uh when you have a job and what you don't need to know about it the kind of education that you want uh health um conflicts well everything is changing because of our, our digital technologies and it's changing really quickly which means that our capacity to adapt understand uh cope with novelties Uh, is lagging behind a little bit. I'm optimistic. I mean, human beings are smart. Uh, We will get there, but we've never been under so much pressure as these days, certainly not past generations. So if anyone feels a little bit overwhelmed, well, you're welcome to the 21st century.
0: And to an extent, the ground is shifting underneath us as we try and understand this because technology keeps moving forward.
1: It's like trying to uh, win a game and someone is changing the rules all the time. So by the time you learn how to score, well, someone says, well, you know, that's the old kind of technology. That's the old kind of world. Uh, Things have changed. So you need to adapt. Now, inevitably, uh, we are witnessing a kind of um, uh, transformation, a polarization between two extremes. People who can adapt, who are quick, uh, nimble, uh, swift, uh, they get along and they, in fact, even enjoy the uh, uh, novelty, the pace. And people who have more of a slow pace, who uh, are unable to change, well, they are lagging behind. Uh, And that is an unfortunate uh, situation. We need to be a little bit more careful about this.
0: When we look at this historically, do we see in these other three previous revolutions, The same kind of feedback loop that we see today where the technology and the the information and the revolution that you're talking about is changing us at the same time we're changing it. We don't see that feedback loop to the same degree in some of these previous revolutions.
1: I think that the feedback uh, was uh, very, very feeble. Uh, in fact, it's negligible if you, if you want to put it that way. Uh, to the extent that, uh, because of the the time scale and the pace at which things were changing, um, it was almost like a one-way uh, sort of impact. But today, we change, we transform, uh, we demand more or different things, and the technology follows, which then further uh, transforms us and our expectations. So, um, in- Never as you know, today we need to be careful about what we wish because our wishes uh, tend to be fulfilled pretty quickly by the, for, no, the next technology, which then transforms us, the people who express those wishes. Uh, one way of putting this a little bit more concretely is if we look at so, uh, no, social media, they are addictive. Uh, I speak by experience. You know, we love to spend time on the occasional Facebook. Uh, Twittering this or tweeting that. Uh, The point is that uh, they are like candies for for children. I mean, we we love communication. We are animals who uh, flourish by uh, talking to each other, by expressing ourselves. And we're just giving to ourselves the sort of uh, diet uh, with a food analogy that we should be a little bit more careful about. Uh, We are becoming, if you allow me the analogy, a bit obese when it comes to uh, social communication. Because those wishes, and as you said, the sort of feedback uh, loop is there all the time. The more we do it, the more we like to do it, the more we want that sort of interaction, the more we get it. it. At some point, there's a threshold where it becomes unhealthy.
0: And as you talk about it, it becomes almost an environmental force unto itself.
1: It does. Um, now, we need to be careful about this because uh, I know that some colleagues, some people uh, have uh, argued that, uh, well, this force is independent. We can't do anything about it. Uh, technology has its own ways. Uh, it's more like you and I being on a train and we don't decide where the train is going. Um, that, that is uh Uh, not correct, but above all, uh, it's a bit irresponsible. Uh, It takes away from our shoulders, uh, very conveniently, the responsibility of deciding exactly what we do on a daily basis. So I wouldn't be so easy on, on, say, humanity. Uh, Technology, to a large extent, uh, reflects what we want and wish. Uh, If we get it wrong, well, that's what the technology that we are going to obtain So I would like to see a little bit more of an input and proactive uh, uh, planning sometimes.
0: One of the other things, and it's very much related to this, is this whole notion of our conception of ourselves and the public versus private and what this revolution has done with respect to essentially merging those two worlds.
1: Yes, uh, and uh, today ne- has never before. Uh, I know you can be famous for five minutes, as uh, as we know, and uh, certainly uh, there's a uh, risk of uh, uh, so putting oneself in a sort of um, informational cage. You you see only what you want to see. You speak only to the people you agree with, uh, you get only the information uh, that you expect. Uh, But in general, the the, the threshold between private and public uh, has become much less clear. And that's why we have all these problems about uh, privacy uh, on the one hand, uh, uh, digital identity and your cards being stolen, someone impersonating you and not buying goods on your behalf uh, as well. Uh, just because it's much easier to detach, uh, say, a certain kind of information from you or me and uh, uh, use it for other purposes. So the, the public uh, versus uh, private is uh, being reshaped. I wouldn't say that it's disappearing. We're just changing it as we speak, and the technologies are uh, partly responsible uh, for that. And the Trick here, and I, I don't want to be too philosophical about it, is that uh, when we construct our personal identity, we rely a lot on uh, social feedback. You know, you you have a sense of what people think of you. And in that sense, you tend to adapt or react to that particular identity that society builds around you. Um, Trivial example, if a a kid is told by the whole group, the the classmates that is uh, very confident, well... Guess what? The kid becomes confident because, you know, people expect him to be confident. Uh, he uh, wants to fulfill that particular sort of profile. Now, multiply that uh, 24-7 uh, throughout your social interactions and you can see that your social public kind of profile starts feeding back into who you are who you think you are who you think you could become and we shouldn't think in terms of you no know, people at my age you know people in their late 40s early 50s but i'm thinking in terms of teenagers when you're really easily influenceable uh depending on what the group says what society says you go one way or the other well we we should think about this very carefully especially in terms of social media because that feedback relationship between the public and the private is shaping our current generation And I'm not sure it does that always in the right way.
0: When we think about this as one of these central revolutionary periods, the fourth revolution, as you talk about, how do we look at that in the context of what can easily be referred to as the digital divide? The idea that that the kind of technology and the kind of communication we're talking about that is part of this revolution doesn't exist for everybody right now.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, uh, again, a, a fundamental point you're raising and, and it's, it's really crucial for, for people living, say, in uh, uh, in on this side of the divide to remember that no, there are millions of people, as they say, that they never made a telephone call. So we shouldn't forget that the, the digital revolution or the computer revolution uh, is affecting uh, uh, a rather small uh, proportion of, of the world and a rather specific segment of society. At the same time, It is where changes are happening. Uh, What I'm saying here is that if you think in terms of added value, transformations in how we conceive uh, healthcare, education, conflicts, um, and our way of understanding our current time, That area has been completely uh, uh, influenced by digital technologies, by our sort of philosophy of information, to uh, be grandiose for a moment. (laughs) Um, So much as we need to remember that there is a digital divide and people on the other side uh, need to be brought uh, on this side, and this will take time. At the same time, that does not take anything away from the fact that Uh, What is changing the world these days, what is fueling uh, transformations, uh, is actually the uh, information revolution.
0: One of the other parts of this, from a social perspective, is the way individuals are seen to change over time. When, When we look at previous generations and previous periods before this revolution, people remained in terms of their personality and their social outlook and their social perception pretty much the same. Now we're seeing that constantly in flux.
1: Yeah, this, uh, it's, it's kind of back with uh, uh, to the point where we were making before when we said, well, the pace uh, mm-hmm. of change. If uh, things around us are moving uh, at a speed that uh, is unprecedented. Well, likewise, the stability of the self, the stability of your conception uh, changes uh, uh, pretty much in line with uh, the environment. Let me give an example. I mean, in terms of uh, um, career, job or skills, uh, well, today it's, uh, it's trivial to remark that we need to keep updated and upgrading our Profiles all the time. Now, this brings with it uh, an inevitable uh, sort of uh, uh, urgency in uh, uh, making sure that there is uh, flexibility on who I think I am and I, I can become. it it, it does take a little bit of time to reflect more on this and adapt to the circumstances. So I would say, uh, at the moment, we're just experiencing something that we never had before as a culture, as humanity. Um, But we are getting a little bit used to the fact that, yes, things are uh, left open to um, change on a regular basis. Uh, It's impossible to conceive someone who will just Say, get a degree at the university, and will get that job and stay with that job with that sort of expertise for the rest of uh, her life. Likewise, a journalist has to uh, keep constantly changing and upgrading uh, its, uh, its information and so on. So, um, I welcome this uh, in the right sort of uh, measure. Uh, we just need to develop the right culture around it.
0: One of the other things you talk about is why it's important to reflect on this, not just because you've written about it, but because it is really the only way to get a grip and an understanding of what has been wrought by this revolution.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I, I can explain this uh, with a little analogy. Uh, you know, sometimes when you have to jump from here to there and there's a gap, uh, say on the pavement or somewhere, uh, one might be tempted to get as close as possible to the gap, not to the point where you need to jump. And that's okay. but If the jump has to be really long, the next thing you do is to take several steps back. The further you want to jump, the more you have to have a serious, decent run-up. That's what philosophy does for us. I mean, it makes sure that if we want to move forward uh, uh, far and safely, well, we need to take a few steps back and reflect and think. Um, at the moment what I'm what I find a bit uh, unsatisfactory but it's normal i mean it's not a complaint it's just uh, in fact, the excitement of novelty is that we uh, first of all we innovate technologically uh, at, at a pace that is unprecedented then uh, someone somewhere starts raising a flag and says oh look we need to have some kind of legislation about this i mean you know uh drones around well we haven't thought about it but uh or driverless cars Oh, we we need we need to have uh, uh a few laws here that uh, make sure that you no know, safety and so on are in place and then even further down the road much later someone also wakes up and says you know what we really have to think about what we're doing here uh the the technological innovation the the legislation what's what's the project i mean what What are we trying to do? What are we trying to achieve? Um, So I like to think that uh, by doing some decent philosophy, we can push the the third guy, uh, as you were, who is a few laps uh, behind, uh, closer to the uh, the two guys. So uh, innovation, legislation, understanding. We need to push understanding a bit closer to the first two.
0: Is there something, though, inherent in this very process of this revolution that is antithetical to taking those steps back and being philosophical about it and thinking about it in a longer conception?
1: Yes, I think so. I mean, uh, there's a, a kind of a, a, a magnetic force, you know, an, an attraction in uh, the Technological revolutions such, such as the one we are undergoing, that uh, makes us feel like everything has to be done quickly on the spot uh, in in a short time. Uh, you need to anticipate, do, and move on. Uh, the example I provide, and uh, I like to provide it because I'm guilty, <laughs> is the classic uh, TED talk. Uh, if, uh, you know, if you uh, have uh, that span of attention, is about eight minutes. You don't put a video on YouTube, which is longer than that because people just get bored, they click on something else. Now, this is taken for granted and this is the situation we need to deal with, not complain. At the same time, we have been uh, able in the past to cope with real big challenges. I think we will cope with this one as well. We need to make a bit of an effort and the comparison with uh, food, uh, I think it helps here quite a lot. It's not that we cannot eat and drink all the good things that are available today. We just need to learn that not drinking as much as you like and eating as much as you like uh, is going to kill you. So say social interaction through the social media as much as we like, and we will not leave the room 24-7. So uh, a bit of uh, self-restraint now that we live in a world of information abundance for the first time in human history, we've never been here before, uh, I think it will help a lot. Uh, Again, uh, in this case, too, some uh, uh, cultural transformations, some development in our understanding and education will get us there.
0: And in that regard, when we come back and look at the first three of these revolutions that you lay out, Copernicus, Darwin, Freud... Do we learn anything in the resets that followed those that can be really helpful in resetting to what's changing today? I think we can
1: learn one, well, many lessons probably, but one is particularly close to my heart, which is uh, the backlash. Uh, Every time there's a revolution, there's someone who is stuck in the past. Every time uh, you discover a new continent, uh, someone uh, is trying to make sure that uh, whoever gets there doesn't get uh, the profit of the discovery. Uh, So every time there's a step forward, uh, someone somewhere tries to make sure that that step is not taken or is unsuccessful. Unfortunately, that's human history. Uh, That's the way we interact with each other. Uh, So at the moment, uh, I can see in many corners, uh, say, counter-reaction or conservative approaches to the revolution that we are undergoing that would like to uh, put the clock back, as it were, and make sure that uh, all the good bits that are happening uh, are not there uh, in the future. So I wouldn't be surprised if we were to... witness, uh, say, from the cultural, from the legal, the social uh, side, reactions against this fourth revolution Um, is to be expected. Again, not complain. Uh, That's the way history works. Uh, We should be ready, though. And that's a lesson that we can learn from the previous three revolutions. Every time something has changed, uh, people have tried to make sure that the change would not happen. Let's make sure that uh, we get there despite the reactionary attitudes that some uh, people around are expressing.
0: Luciano Floridi, the book is The Fourth Revolution, How the Infosphere is Reshaping Human Reality. Luciano, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.